1 John chapter 2, commencing at the second verse. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now by this we may be sure that we know him, if we obey his commandments. However, whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments, is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am in the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and in such a person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought on blindness. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. For those who do the will of God live forever. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words that I speak and the thoughts of our hearts encourage us in our journey with Christ. Amen. So today is Mother's Day and we celebrate the people who have mothered us. Women who have given birth to us and the people who have birthed life in us and nurtured us. Mothering is essentially a function of family life. But when we say the word family, each of us has a different picture of what that looks like. My sister once said, every child is born into a different family. And how true I discovered that to be. As each of our children was born, we welcomed that child into a family that had changed since the arrival of the previous child. We had changed. How could we not? 
And as our family formed and reformed, my mothering style evolved in response to the needs of our children and the needs of our marriage. As a family, we transitioned into new seasons and new ways of doing and being and relating with one another. With the passing of the years, there's been a maturing and a deepening of family life that has only been possible by allowing change to happen as it needed to. As our children have become adults and even become parents themselves, I've needed to let them go. That's the healthy thing to do. We raise them for them to go, to let them be and let them become who they're called to be, not who we've called them to be. So mothering now looks and feels very different, although my love for them is as fierce as ever. Their way of seeing and being in the world has commanded my respect because they have wrestled with life and with faith. What we passed on to them with the very best of intentions may not have served them well in every regard. And they've needed others in their lives as mentors and as sounding boards. And perhaps you've been that for someone from another family. Perhaps the idea of mothering evokes as many different emotions and responses as there are people and families and has done so for thousands of years, while the fabric of family life has varied from culture to culture and century to century. As a church community, we are a family. We have the opportunity to nurture one another. The author of 1 John is writing to a community that he considers to be a family, his family, And he uses mothering language to express love for the community that he is nurturing in faith. In our world, where digital technology is bringing about the most significant changes to our way of life that the world has experienced for 500 years, the concept of family remains as important as ever for many reasons. You only need to ask a school student what matters most to them to be convinced of that. Keep in mind though, and it's probably not a surprise, I hope it's not a surprise, there is no perfect family. As long as families are comprised of people, family life can be richly complicated, unbelievably messy, excruciatingly painful, and wonderfully joyful. Just not all on the same day. Whether it's our birth family or a family that we've been welcomed into or our church community, family life is formative. In a healthy family, we learn to love and to be loved. We learn about emotions and forgiveness. We learn to set boundaries around our own selfhood, learning how to be connected with others in life-giving ways as well as learning how to be an individual. In families, we also learn a sense of what's right and what's wrong. Although clearly, not all families have the same values and hold the same opinion about a whole range of things. How we decide on what's right and wrong 
can depend on the questions that we ask and the experience that's, that life has thrown at us as much as it depends on what we believe and who we believe. A growth mindset can help us here where we allow challenges to grow us and to change us rather than holding onto a fixed mindset that says things have to be the way that I see them. Sometimes we forget to ask the most life-giving questions that will deliver the most life-giving answers. So whether family members share the same faith, have different faiths or no faith at all, a difference in opinion doesn't necessarily mean that we need to argue bitterly or become estranged. Listening respectfully and as lovingly as we can will help us to get along with those with whom we disagree. Michael Lunig says, love one another. That's the way we find joy and it's as simple and as difficult as that. Sometimes though, it seems that temporary or permanent separation becomes inevitable and perhaps even necessary for the well-being of people within a family. This can be heartbreaking and at the same time new opportunities are birthed. The community to which John is writing is facing such a crisis. The community is becoming divided in unreconcilable ways. There are people who believe that sin no longer matters because of God's grace. That is, they believe that it doesn't matter what we do because all is forgiven. John calls these people liars because they're not living in obedience to Christ's command to love one another. And then there were people who believed that Jesus wasn't fully divine, to whom John says, Jesus Christ is the righteous one, that is, fully God. Today's reading begins with this important phrase, my little children. The use of the diminutive, little, indicates deep affection. And my little children gives a fatherly, or perhaps a motherly perspective. Where there are children, there is family. As God's children, we are a family of faith. And where there is family, conflict seems inevitable at some point. So how does the writer lead this family of dearly beloved little children to live well with each other in the face of conflict? Firstly, he says, try not to sin. Try not to break love and trust with one another. Yet because you probably will at some point, don't despair, we have one who comes alongside. In John's gospel, this is the paraclete, the spirit. In 1 John, it's the paraclete, Jesus Christ, the one without sin, who through God's mercy has covered our sins through his sacrificial death. He has brought us peace with God. And this is true not only for our own sins, for the sins of the whole world. Because we belong to Christ, we are one with God. This doesn't mean that we keep sinning though, because if we know Christ, we are called to, to obey his commandment, love one another. That is to want the very best for the other. Although our sin is covered by God's mercy through Christ, we need to engage in the ongoing process of confessing our sin and turning away from it. 
And we make space for this each week in our worship service. John calls this walking in the light. Ignoring destructive thoughts and behavior, excusing them or even enjoying them is not life-giving, not for ourselves and not for others. John calls this walking in the darkness. In verses 15 and 16, John calls the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes and the pride of riches, loving the world. He says, these things do not come from the love of the Father. So being a parent isn't easy. We are stretched in ways that we would never have dreamt possible. Being a loving parent comes at a cost. Being a loving parent means we have to make the best call we can and we don't always get it right. It's simply a risk that we need to take. Being a loving parent changes us because we must grow if we are to foster growth in those for whom we have responsibility. John is writing as a loving parent who cares deeply for his family in the faith and he writes in a very motherly and nurturing way. I wonder who are those that you would say have mothered you in the faith? Those who have helped to shape you, who have helped you on your journey. Perhaps some of those names are names that you wrote on a paper person during our Holy Week or Easter services. I'm going to ask you to take a moment to give thanks for them now and if they are still living, to pray for them. To encourage all the women who are part of our community, we have a flower for them as they leave today. There are two challenges that I consider to be really, really important for church communities in our time. The first is to navigate and manage conflict about what people in our church communities consider to be right and wrong. My mothering instincts encourage me to love people where they are, to listen respectfully, to be as informed as we can possibly be, and to encourage others to be informed. And then to pray, to pray for wisdom, guidance, and grace. Wherever there is conflict, it's inevitable that there will be times when forgiveness and reconciliation is the only way forward. Overcoming the fear of conflict can be a great help to us in our own growth as Christians, as well as in the way that we nurture others and foster growth in them. Secondly, I see a need for church communities to support mothers and fathers as they navigate the raising of children in our highly sensualized, violent, materially oriented and technologically commercialized culture. We are all called to be nurturing parents of one another and especially to those who are young in the faith and those who are parenting those who are young in the faith. John calls God Father in chapter 2. In chapter 3, he says that we are God's children by virtue 
of being born of God. That is, God gives birth to us as God's children. Not only has God birthed life in us, God mothers and nurtures us so that our lives can be fruitful in bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. One of the roles of fathering is to elicit mothering characteristics within us that give birth to life and relationship, whether it be through forgiveness and reconciliation, through nurturing others, or in countless other ways that fulfill the commandment to love one another. This is the pathway to joy. On page 428 of our prayer book, there is a beautiful song written by Anselm of Canterbury around 1100, just a few years ago. Anselm was an influential theologian and one of his main thoughts was that an active love of God seeks a deeper knowledge and understanding of God. May this song of Christ's goodness, written by Anselm, help you to deepen your love for God and draw you into a deeper understanding of how you are loved and nurtured by God so that you can love and nurture others. Jesus, as a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness you nurse us and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying, we are born to new life. By your anguish and labour, we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness, we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, heal us. In your love and tenderness, remake us. In your compassion, bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us. Amen.